The podcast is back for 2015. Yes, after that rather long gap last year, I've decided to relaunch the podcasts and have a little few uh, tweaks here and there, but generally try and release a bi-monthly um, podcast. This one is, of course, the January-February one, and it's going to be released in the first couple of weeks of March, and we're going to continue along with that format, so the, the March-April one will be released in the first couple of weeks of May, etc., etc. So you can get the idea of uh, how I want to sort of like launch it, and then it, it kind of like fits into the year a lot, uh, a lot better that way. Also, the other thing is I'm not going to be as fussy about, you know, releasing things. Uh, if I have to record stuff on an iPhone or something like that, just talk about photography and release that, then then fair enough. Uh, the format is going to be mostly about me talking about, you know, what's been going on, etc. And then go over to, uh, you know, the links and everything. But occasionally a couple of podcasts, two or three podcasts might not be like that. Especially if I'm out and about going around taking photographs somewhere. So, yes, we're here we are. It's good to be back. So what have I been up to? Well, last year was pretty hectic there was quite a lot going on work wise but there was also the website uh, which was rebuilt using a new theme which took up quite a bit of time but it was certainly well worth uh, doing as you may remember my old website theme was not being updated at all and I was starting to have all sorts of problems and I decided that I needed to do, do something about it and I managed to find a really good website theme that's uh, flexible and I can change it and I can do all sorts with it. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, I added that and uh, the pages are, are being desired and it's a lot more modern and fresh and easier to update. Um, there was also a trip to Edinburgh towards the end of the year to... About September, I went up to um, Sky again and had a, a wander around there. And there is a podcast coming uh, in the next couple of weeks after this release, which will be the recordings I made up there in September 2015, which I will release as a Podcast Scotland special or something. Uh, but Edinburgh was, was really good. Um, I managed to pop in and see a rather good uh, exhibition from Document Scotland at the National uh, Portrait Gallery in Edinburgh. Um, basically, it's uh, portraits and things taken at uh, various different locations in, in Scotland. A fantastic, uh, a fantastic show. I can't actually... I always forget the name of the title, but I will try and sort that out. I will mention it on the podcast links anyway, but it's a great little show, photography show on, and it's on until the 24th of April. Um, so you can still pop along and see it if you are in Edinburgh. That's the 24th of April at the National Portrait Gallery, and you're looking for the document Scotland. Uh, they've got details about it on their website if you are interested, and I will add that link to the podcast link section as well. Right. Well, other than that, there was uh, various other different things, uh, building websites for clients and, uh, and a variety of things. And, of course, it always takes time, and therefore it has to push something out. And usually 
it's a poor old podcast that gets the bullet, isn't it? So um, that's the reason why it was delayed. And also, to be honest, I was trying to think of new ways of uh, of doing it and uh, whether I was going to change the format to a quarterly one. And if the bi-monthly ones don't work, then I, I possibly might change it to a bi monthly uh, a, a quarterly format anyway with a couple of you know specials there but we will see how it goes for this year as usual i will be mentioning uh, the links of course which are all important as links that i'm getting from all over the place uh mainly twitter and things like that but um yeah it's been rather a busy year and I just want to get these podcasts up and running again because I actually like recording them. That's the, that's a great thing. So we'll go on to uh, the links, I think. And the first one is the photography of Roger Freeman. This is another show that's on at the American Air Museum at the Imperial War Museum, Duxford, which is in Cambridgeshire. Uh, it's not that far away from Cambridge. It's American airmen in England during World War Two, And Roger Freeman was a photographer who went around photographing the, the air crew and pilots of the United States Army Air Force. I think he was British, uh, Freeman. I think he was. I'm sure I read somewhere. But anyway, they are really a series of portraits with their aircraft, uh, there's a rather interesting one of Captain Clark Gable of uh, Gone with the Wind fame, of course, uh, who served as a as a gunner on a B-17 uh, during the war. Although he only did five missions, which, when you consider, you know, that a crew would have to do 25 missions, uh, like the Memphis Bell, of course, the crew of the Memphis Bell had to do 25. Uh, so five missions isn't particularly that much. If I remember rightly, I think they uh, pulled him off because uh, they they decided to pull him off missions because they didn't think it would be very good form, as the British would say, if he got shot down and killed. Uh, you know, the United States Army Air Force get Clark Gable killed is not particularly a great headline for raising morale back home, is it? So they, they pulled him off, whereas... Uh, other actors like uh, James Stewart uh, were pretty much heroes. Uh, they went over there and served. He went over there and served uh, and be- eventually became a, a colonel in the Air Force. Um, but he, he won quite a few medals and things and was uh, very much not a star in the in the armed service. Uh, probably my favourite shot is a shot of Lieutenant Edwin Wright of the 404th Fighter Group. He's standing underneath the uh, prop of his P-47 Thunderbolt in October 1944. And there's a great big massive hole. Apparently the hole is about 8 inches in diameter in an 11 inch propeller. Uh, he's actually got his hand through the hole. A, rem- a remarkable, uh, a remarkable shot. Really, and just goes to show how how dangerous flying, of course, was during the war, especially from uh, ground fire. And it actually said the 19-year-old had completed 39 missions and survived being hit by flak six times um, at 19. That's just I can't remember being 19 and the idea of uh, you know. 
been in a war just scares scares the hell out of me. But it's a great collection of images. Um, most of them have got pretty happy endings. I think there's one or two where the uh, individual was killed. Um, but they they just sort of like cover what was going on with the uh, with the air force as they were in uh, as they were in wartime Britain. A great place to visit, if you do get the opportunity, is a place called Thorpe Abbots in Norfolk. And uh, if you type it into Google, you'll you'll come up with a website or something. Um, and it's an old U.S. Army Air Force station that's been renovated, and it's basically a museum and dedicated to the 100th Bomb Group. Fantastic place, very, very serene, very, very peaceful. And I kind of like love memorials for the want of a better word, like that. I think they um, they have far more life in them than just a piece of stone saying, uh, these people flew here. Uh, this it, It's got some love in it. It's got some respect. Um, not to say, you know, some of these memorials haven't, but... Uh, it just they just it was it was put together by a set of volunteers and it's a fantastic place to visit because you do get a sense of the place even though a lot of the airfield's gone you do still get a sense of uh what it was like to be there during the war even if it's just a little bit um so yes that's on at the moment at the imperial war museum at duxford at duxford not the london one Right, the next uh, series of images comes from... Ah, this is the world... The 2015 World Press Photo winners, um, which this year were, were quite strong. And actually, the winning image, just before I talk about it, the winning image did remind me of the sort of images that used to sort of win it 20 years ago, uh, before digital really caught on. Um, the winning image is a grainy black and white photo of a migrant passing a baby under barbed wire fence uh, from Serbia into Hungary um, and it was taken last year in late August by the Australian photographer Warren Richardson um, the man and child were part of a movement of people seeking to cross into Hungary before a secure fence along the border was completed and it's just one of those images that sums up a lot of the problems that we've got at the, the moment with migration and people just wanting to get somewhere else because their life back home is just, uh, in, you know, just not tolerable anymore. It's just, uh, they just want to better themselves. Um, for a lot of the political language that's going about, I find it rather ironic that a lot of these politicians who are complaining about migration are actually the same people who... Uh, were ordering the bombing of places where these people are actually coming from, um, although they probably wouldn't actually see the connection uh, particularly that easily. Um, they're very, very uh, blinkered uh, politicians usually. I'm afraid I haven't got that much time for them. But it's a really good set of images this year. Um, sometimes I can take, uh, take or leave the world press photo. Some years are better than others. I suppose that's to be accepted, uh, accepted with... Uh, Expected, I should say, with uh, competitions. I'm not actually a huge awards type of person, but I do like the World Press Photo usually. They usually do get a good 
roundup of the images, but uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of awards and things, so um, I don't think I would ever actually enter it myself, not that I'm probably good enough anyway, but uh, yeah, I would probably not bother um, but a really, really powerful set of images. That is on the BBC News website, uh, and they are doing a lot more photography now. We still don't really have that much of a dedicated photography website within these news, organisa- news organisations like uh, The Guardian, whereas The New York Times has got um, Lens, and whereas... Time have got light box. Uh, I notice that a lot of the media organisations over here are still having photography as a section rather than having it as a name dedicated section, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, but hopefully, they're starting to realise that people, I think this with the BBC is actually a good indication of this, that they're starting to realise that people do like looking at photos and that images are still important uh, for showing what's going on in the world. And it is certainly encouraging to see the 2015 World Press Photo winners on the BBC because a few years ago they wouldn't have been. Uh, they Or it would have been tucked away somewhere probably in entertainment and arts and things which um yeah the they, entertainment and arts has a very broad remit doesn't it you know sometimes you're not going to be talking about things because there's going to be a lot of entertainment news about about who's splitting up from who or whatever it is speaking about time magazine like it was just uh just a short time ago um this is teaching photography inside Malawi's prisons. This is a bit of an odd... I really do like the photos, but they don't seem as though they've... Um, I don't know what they've done with their website design, but it, it just seems a bit clunky to me. I think it's all the advertising, to be brutally honest. They've shoved it everywhere. It's at the bottom, it's at the left, it's at the right of the page... And it, it kind of like gets in the way. I know that they've got to make money, and uh, you know there's people to pay, etc. But it um, it just it's it's rather intrusive. I think there's better ways of doing it than uh, than that. Anyway, this is a series of images by the Dutch photographer Kadir van Lohusen. I think that's how you say it. I always pick the difficult name. Uh, named photographers, don't I, for some reason. But anyway, last year the Dutch photographer gained access to a prison after partnering with uh, Jung in Prison, an NGO that runs a reintegration programme for juveniles, and they offer photography workshops for 12 of them. Um, So I assume that uh, Kadir managed to get in sort of... I don't know, I mean, was he was he teaching there partly or, or what? I don't know. But anyway, the images, there's a good selection of uh, photographs showing the conditions inside the prison, which are, you know, pretty crowded, pretty unpleasant. Um, but it's just an interesting style of black and white. There are quite a few prison photographers around there at the, at the moment, um, just generally, you know, where, whether it be America or whether it be, uh, you know, Africa or various different locations in the world um, but these images I don't know there's something about them, the black and white styles um, appealing 
I mean, I do like black and white photography anyway, but uh, I don't know. There's something about the uh, the images that that really does that really does work nicely. It's just like I say, it's just a shame that the 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 light box. Yeah, the Lightbox website is just absolutely horrible now. It's it's a bit sort of I don't know. It's just you probably realise you know when you go there, the photography is great on there. Actually, three of the links I'm doing for this uh, for this podcast come from uh, from Lightbox, but as a, a website, it's it's a bit it's it's not a clean design to me. It's I think they could do better. But anyway, uh, the next one, I've tapped on the wrong link, so never mind. We'll go to the next one. This is link number four. And ah, this is a rather interesting one from Lens. Uh, Floor God, God Duno's vision in black and white. I tell you, I always pick the, the ones with the slightly unusual names. Um. Photography was not her first love, is what she says in the in the, the first first paragraph. Uh, she used to draw a lot, apparently. Uh, but anyway, she decided that um, she met two masters of photography when she was at uh, studying fine art, and decided to go on and you know, study photography, and she's got rather an interesting eye, um, and it's rather an interesting take, because we often hear about, you know, European and American photographers, but we don't hear about, you know, photographers from uh, other areas, you know, uh, and this photographer, uh, Miss Garduno, uh, is Mexican and Latin American uh, major influence on Latin, Mexican and Latin American photographers. So she's, you know, she's from a different sort of like part of the world, which I always think we should see more of. Photography is a language after all. And I believe that we should actually basically, you know, show as much photography from around the world and not concentrate as much as we do on the uh, European and American angle. And actually, that's been one of the complaints over the years for places like the World Press Photo, where they will say, well, look, you know, the vast majority of the photographers that are, are winning are, you know, either European or American. Uh, why aren't more African photographers or why aren't more Asian photographers winning? And I do think it's a bit of a... Um, a legitimate argument for changing things. Hopefully it's starting to go that way because a lot of news agencies now are tending to use freelancers uh, who live in that area rather than send a photographer because, of course, it's cheaper, you know, if you... And also that local photographer's got local knowledge, which the... But there's still stars, so to speak, of photojournalism who get sent here and there. But anyway, back to this great series of images from Flor, um, Flor Gardunos. Maybe that's the way that you say it. I don't know. Anyway, it's a great series of images from her. Some of them are slightly surreal. So if you're into, you know, surreal photography and uh, just quirky, sort of like, 
I wouldn't want to use the word fine art, to be honest with you, because, uh, but I suppose you could say that they are fine art images. Again, black and white. Yes, they are fine art images. What am I talking about? These are fine art images. It's an interesting combination of work. Um, I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful black and white photography here, covering all sorts, still life, um, portraits, you name it, it's there. So have a look for that. Floor Gardunos, or Floor Gardunos Visions in Black and White. And I'll leave you to the pronunciation of... Uh, I leave you to the pronunciation of uh, Floor's name. I'm very sorry if she's uh, listening. She probably isn't. Well, anyway, from Mexico and Latin America, we go to another Time article, and this is melting away. Stunning photos of disappearing icebergs. This is Camille Seaman and her work, she spent 10 years making portraits of icebergs. It's more portrait photography. Um, but Camille is worried that the next generation may never see these wonders of all, wonders of all, uh, at all, due to various different factors like uh, you know global, global warming and things. These are kind of like uh, it's an interesting term, to say, you know, to say they're not a landscape of a uh, an iceberg. They are a portrait, uh, which kind of. I suppose gives that hint of individuality of detail that maybe using another term wouldn't deliver. But these are absolutely beautiful uh, images. I mean, you could literally some of them you you could hang them up on your wall and just you'd you'd see all sorts of things: the, the detail, the texture of the icebergs are absolutely fantastic and they are individuals you know they're, they're unique aren't they so each one is shaped by its environment and the sea and things so i suppose calling them uh, portraits is probably correct but you know absolutely fantastic images from a cold and rather hospitable part of uh well, it was Antarctica, and I think that's an area of Norway. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of uh, pictures in there. Fantastic set of images. That's on the Time uh, Lightbox site as well, so you'll have to suffer that. But um, like I say, the photography is great on there. It's just a website that uh, is a bit of a letdown. And finally, a bit of a hot topic. This came up. Um, yeah, this came up at the beginning of February. This is another Time.com story, which is rather unusual because it's an American website, but it's talking about Britain's National Media Museum loses more than just a treasured archive. This is all about the photography that is archived at the National Museum, uh, National Media Museum in Bradford. And, I mean, it's a fantastic place. I've been twice, although it was quite a while since I went. But uh, I went twice with uh, college and uh, I think I went again with university, I think. can't remember. But anyway, I I've been twice and it's a fantastic um, 
place to visit if you are interested in photography. They have shows on there. And they also um, have, you know, collections of images, a three million strong archive on the art of photography. But they have decided, the museum announced uh, at the beginning of uh, February that 400,000 objects from the Science Museums Group were going to be transferred from the National Media Museum to the Victorian Albert Museum, the V&A, in London. Uh, the collection will join, it says here, the V&A's existing collection of 500,000 uh, photographs in a new international photography resource centre aimed to hold the single largest collection of art of photography in the world. Now, the problem with this is there's, there's one or two issues that come to the fore here. First of all, there's the issue about funding for, for museums and things, and the UK has seen an awful lot of cuts over the past... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, certainly since the the crash of two thousand and eight, the, the 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 purse strings have been well and truly tightened on a lot of art uh, based uh, things. But there's also the other issue of things moving from the north of England to the south of England. Um, are we heading where to a point where a lot of the only place where you're actually going to see the really good stuff will be London? And this is, of course, is not healthy for the rest of the country because London already has more than its fair share of great stuff. Uh, we want to encourage people to go outside of uh, the capital if they, they visit. I always do if I'm ever talking to uh, friends, you know, who don't live in this country. I always, uh, you know, say don't just, you know, hop on a train and go somewhere because London is certainly not representative of the rest of the country. Um, which is absolutely true. There has been a few uh, stories saying that some of the uh, images might actually stay in Bradford, but you do get the sense that pe people aren't going to Bradford. It says there's a 600,000 uh, 600, visitors go to the National Media Museum in Bradford. I had a look round the museum that they have, the National Museum of Scotland in Edinburgh, and they get 1.5 million visitors a year. So they are, you know, getting substantially more than the National Media Museum. As much as I like Bradford, uh, and it's, you know, it's quite a, an interesting place to go to, I don't necessarily think that that was a great location for it in the first place. Um, but now that it's set up there, people should be encouraged to visit just like I was as a student. And collections should be kept together. Um, and we shouldn't just bundle things down to the V&A down in London just because it's a money issue or... They think that they will get more visitors. We need to encourage uh, a lot more places to to basically become representative. The National Media Museum is a media museum for the nation. 
And as much as I like the V&A, which is a fantastic museum, the V&A has got a whole lot of things. Its photography section, when I had a look round, was actually quite small. It's um, it's got some interesting images up there, but uh, I wouldn't exactly say that it was um, representative of photography in general. It, it 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 had some of the big name sort of like work. There was a bit of Martin Parr, I think, and then there was something else, if I remember rightly. Uh, you know, a few named photographers. But other than that, uh, there wasn't really... It wasn't really a huge collection. And, yeah, I don't really agree with it heading down south like this. It will be interesting to see what happens because there there has been a letter written by a lot of big-name photographers complaining about this decision. And we will have to see how it plays out. It might not actually happen now. Possibly, you know, the money might come together from somewhere. But on the other hand, you know, if the problem is with this country is is we don't really value what we have. We don't, in the UK, we have a tendency to... We know the cost of everything and the value of nothing, as the saying uh, goes. And sadly, I think this is the case with, with Bradford. I think it would also be the beginning of the end for the museum because people would then probably start saying, well, if you haven't got the audience there, then it needs to go somewhere else. And before you know it, you end up with a museum that's that's closing down, which would be a shame because it is really an excellent media museum. So we'll have to see how that goes. That, anyway, is the final link. Um for this month for this podcast for the return uh all of the links will be on the uh the main podcast page as usual i will add a few other links as well as bonus ones that i forgot to mention because there's always something i forget to mention in these podcasts so until next time thank you very much for listening and i will be back at the beginning of may